the long COVID diagnosis of long COVID is usually symptoms are not explained or attributable, I'll put my teeth back in, attributable to other diagnoses. I mean, there there have been over 200 symptoms documented. Mm. They go across respiratory problems, cardiovascular problems, neurological, gastrointestinal, psychological symptoms, um, you know, and people are experiencing clusters of symptoms as well. So these these symptoms. So, for example, I've had patients um, referred to speech and language therapy with laryngeal symptoms, which is obviously what we're sort of focusing more more on today. Um, so they've got that sensation of lump in the throat, voice changes, but they've also got muscle pains in their legs, chronic fatigue. They're just really struggling, and like you said, the tingling, the dizziness. Um, there's there's not, I mean, we're all learning. Everybody is learning about this situation, this new um, diagnosis of long COVID. Um, and as you said, dizziness, blood pressure, maybe people aren't eating and drinking enough for other reasons linked to the long COVID. Um, but there's also the other things to consider, um, such as them being too hot. They might be experiencing anxiety, um, heart rate changes as well. So we've got to look at the people as a whole and to see what's actually going on for them. And I think sometimes um, the multi, you know, go, going to seek help from many professionals can possibly be the, the best way forward. This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr. Gillian Kayes and Jeremy Fisher. This is A Voice. Hello and welcome to This is A Voice, Series 3, Episode 6. And this one is on long COVID and we have a very special guest with us today. Welcome, Carrie Garrett, specialist speech and language therapist, voice rehab specialist, singer and singing teacher. We are so thrilled to have you here talking with us about long COVID because you know how important that is to the singing and the voice community. Absolutely. Hello. Thank you so much for having me here. It's really lovely to be here. I've come to learn as much as to uh, share what I've been experiencing as well in my work as a speech and language therapist. Excellent. And we have so many questions that people have asked and we've got some that we have recordings of. They've sent in on speakpipe.com slash vocal process. And there's some that we have people have sent in on Facebook. They've emailed us. So there's a lot of things going on. Mm, And we put this together really because... You know, you'd done a lovely pop-up workshop for us called My Singer Has a Voice Problem, uh, which is in our learning lounge now. But we knew that, you know, when we recorded that, we didn't know enough yet about the impact of long COVID. And thank you, Carrie, because it was your idea saying, look, why don't we have a QA and a and that you would frame your evidence-based info, such as we have, you know, um, at the moment, around those questions so that we could really dig deep into it because we're going to be dealing with this for possibly years aren't we in terms of impact yeah and I think also one of the important things to say is that it's actually raised 
um, some important health um, sort of aspects about things like chronic fatigue as well and people who are experiencing chronic lung and respiratory problems as well. Already before COVID, they were experiencing these problems. Mm. Um, and actually the fact that COVID and long COVID has now come into existence, um, I think it's raising the awareness across the board with voice professionals as to what can we do to help help these people who, who are experiencing these, these chronic conditions. Hopefully long COVID isn't going to be permanently chronic as as the evidence says there are re- there is reassuring evidence that symptoms improve over time i want to get that in at the front because yes. i think if anybody's listening to this and actually has been experiencing ongoing symptoms um they need some reassurance that things will get better it's just being patient and kind to themselves as well and hopefully finding some good support from voice practitioners thank you um it this seems to me a wonderful moment to play that poem from Michael Rosen, because um, really what's happened with COVID is that the work of the speech therapist in the sort of the rehab phase, once people are out and they're off their respirators and they're, they're moving around and going back into the community, I think it's really brought to public notice what a speech and language therapist actually does and how important it is. Yes. Michael tells it very well. Fiona, the voice therapist, looks out of her Zoom screen and says that she can see that I'm not using my diaphragm. I say that it feels as if my voice is reedy. She's going to give me semi-occluded vocal tract voice therapy. She gets me to trill my lips, sing through my teeth, hum raspberries and talk into my hand. I offer Frere Jacques, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and Three Blind Mice as my exercise pieces. I have to slur the notes. Glide up and down the scales, says Fiona. She says that I should do this before I go on the radio or do a show for children. There's good empirical evidence, she says, to show that semi-occluded vocal tract therapy works. Later, I sit in the loo and hum raspberries and sing Three Blind Mice into my hand. That's clearly working with Michael. Absolutely. And isn't it interesting that he is being given, had been given, exercises that singers do? Mm. Yes, absolutely. Mm. I think uh, that was one of the things I noticed transitioning from being a singing teacher into um, qualifying as a speech and language therapist. When I started working with um, patients with their voice, uh, there very much is a crossover. Voice is voice. And as my... um, mentor said there's nothing new under the sun it's just applying the right thing for the right time and the right person isn't it so i want to go straight to franca franca sent in three questions for us and i want to go to her first one because it's so relevant to what you've just said so let's hear what franca has to ask hello jeremy and jillian here are some questions for the podcast on long COVID. my first question is what exactly is the difference between long COVID and, for instance, COPD and asthma in terms of what is happening to the lungs. Uh, and and also, of course, following from that in, in the way it should be treated. 
Oh, thank you, Franca. That's a great question. Um, I will reinforce, I'm not a, a re, um, respiratory specialist, but I will endeavour to answer in my best um, capacity, my best knowledge. Um, the British Lung Foundation has some really good practical resources and guidance on this. Um, but in, in my limited understanding, um, the way we can differentiate between long COVID and a more chronic condition such as COPD or asthma um, is that specialists, respiratory teams and specialists would have assessed and concluded that there's no alternative cause for the symptoms the individual is experiencing. Um, usually um, long COVID. So long COVID can be um, symptoms that are being experienced, ongoing symptomatic uh, symptoms that are being experienced four to 12 weeks after actually having a, a confirmed or suspected case of COVID. Um, but actually the post-COVID syndrome, so the really long-term um, long COVID is symptoms that exist 12 weeks following that. Um, and actually, it's the 12 weeks post-COVID where if they're still experiencing um, those respiratory problems, which are new following ha having experienced COVID, um, then they should get some assessment, absolutely, um, if not before. Um, and what we're finding is that actually people are getting normal imaging. Um, we have to remember that people don't just get COVID in isolation. Quite often people in the population have existing comorbidities such as asthma and COPD, bronchiectasis, you know. Um, but essentially COVID acts as a, it's a viral pneumonitis um, and it affects the lung tissues um, just like the other lung impairments do. It causes inflammation there's scarring, buildup of fluids, um, you know, and, and I think the symptoms present themselves in a very similar way. It's mm. dry cough, breathlessness, shortness of breath. People, as a result of this, get very weak and tired, generally feeling unwell. Um, people might have a loss of appetite that's, you know, from, from their tiredness. Um, and just um, finding it difficult to coordinate breathing and eating. Um, some people might experience chest pain, which could possibly be muscular or it could be an inflammation of what we call the pleura, the lining between the lung and the rib cage. So when they breathe in and out, it's very painful um, and they might experience a high temperature as well. So symptoms are different between everyone. Um, asthma specifically, because I think um, a lot of people when we're teaching singing we work with people with asthma on a very regular basis um, asthma is essentially inflammation and swelling of the airways and a narrowing of the airways so breathing becomes very difficult um, and that 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 breathing is you know it's aggravated as well by excess mucus secretions during the asthma event um, resulting in wheezing and breathlessness and it can be very difficult so they take um, different sort of uh, medication to try and help with that um, like I said I'm not an expert but I know that treatments because you asked specifically about treatments how, how do the way it should be treated um, for general lung impairments you've got everything from antibiotics although viral pneumonias tend to get better on their own um, uh, you've got corticosteroids, which cause the immune system to slow down, which lessens the amount of inflammation. You've got inhaled oxygen. Um, and I know that um, Jeremy and Gillian talked in previous podcasts about nasal breathing mm -hmm. and the increase in oxygen that that actually promotes into the 
you know, the, the breathing system and the body over and above open mouth breathing. Um, so nasal breathing, it allows more oxygen to be absorbed and, and it helps to retrain the breathing mechanism. That's something that singing teachers can be a part of. Um, going back to medicines, you've got bronchodilators and obviously the, the way that some of these medic medications can be administered is using neb nebulizers, which is also something else that singing teachers are familiar with um, or some singing teachers. And they help by um, sort of managing the mucus buildups so with thinning out mucus. Um, powerful there are some powerful antioxidants, which also may help lung function. But I must stress that not everything is for everyone. Mm. And I think in our capacity as singing teachers and speech and language therapists, if we're not an expert, and I hold my hands up, I absolutely am not an expert in respiratory matters. Um, but these conditions are very different to each other. And mm. everybody is different, like I said. So, each person will require a personalised, structured approach to treatment, which is guided by specialists in their field. Um, and I will reinforce that not everyone tolerates things like the nebulizers and the saline, um, hypertonic saline solutions that are used in those. Um, and respiratory teams are best placed for testing for this as well. It sounds like the, the one of the main things that just as laymen we look out for is a, a sudden appearance or an appearance following a COVID diagnosis. So that the the of, symptoms, because this all those a symptoms, different behaviour. Yeah. So d a different sense of functioning. I mean, obviously, Frank has talked about lung function, and a number of people from our community, when we said, "What are you finding?" Lung capacity diminished, breathlessness, tingling, which would also be a result of maybe having lower oxygen levels. Yeah, um, absolutely. And the other thing you talked about is fatigue, because. Obviously, you know, we use oxygen to create glucose in the body. And if that isn't happening as efficiently as normal, we're going to experience fatigue, aren't we? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, like I said, the long COVID diagnosis of long COVID is usually symptoms are not explained or attribu attributable, we'll put my teeth back in, attributable to other diagnoses. Yeah. I mean, there, there have been over 200 symptoms documented. Mm. They go across respiratory problems, cardiovascular problems, neurological, gastrointestinal, psychological symptoms, um, you know, and people are experiencing clusters of symptoms as well. So these these symptoms. So, for example, I've had patients um, referred to speech and language therapy with laryngeal symptoms, which is obviously what we're sort of focusing more more on today. Um, so they've got that sensation of lump in the throat, voice changes, but they've also got muscle pains in their legs, chronic fatigue. They're just really struggling. And like you said, the tingling, the dizziness, um, there's there's not, I mean, we're all learning. Everybody is learning about this situation, this new um, diagnosis of long COVID. Um, and as you said, dizziness, blood pressure, maybe people aren't eating and drinking enough for other reasons linked to the long COVID. Um, but there's also other things to consider, um, such as them being too hot, they might be experiencing anxiety, um, heart rate changes as well. So we've got to look at the people as a whole and to see what's actually going on for them. And I think sometimes um, the multi, you know, go, going to seek help from many professionals can possibly be the, the best way forward. That's great. Um, yes. And uh, speaking personally, I know that tingling can be related to anxiety and it's noted as that. 
So it doesn't necessarily mean there's anything else wrong. Carrie, no. I wanted to pick up on one thing which surprised me, which is, and just correct me if I've misunderstood, mm. long COVID is less long than post-COVID syndrome, a, a, a longer timeline. <laughs> Isn't that so- weird? Is that right? No, no. So, so long okay. COVID is is um, an umbrella term. I would I would probably call it. Mm-hmm. It's one of those terms which is being used and has had been used when when COVID struck um, the UK. We started to have people who had ongoing symptoms that that presented beyond four weeks of them. So I'm talking about people who aren't hospitalised here. Let's put Mm -hmm. it into community context, people who have um, contract COVID and manage the symptoms at home. Um, So they've not had any sort of intubation or anything more severe than extra ventilation or anything. They... The long COVID term can be used, anybody who's experiencing those prolonged symptoms from four to 12 weeks. Um, So lots of people in the literature, in research are calling that long COVID. And now the medical, the healthcare professions, so the NHS is starting to call 12 weeks and beyond. So if you're experiencing symptoms that exist 12 or more weeks following experiencing a confirmed or suspected case of COVID-19, that is being termed post-COVID syndrome. So it's now, um, that is the term which is being used for people who can access healthcare, extra healthcare support as well um, from the NHS. So for example, in in the trust which I work in, the Herefordshire and Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust, we have had a post-COVID syndrome um, survey that has set up um, from October, late October this year, many, many, many months since people have been experiencing this. If you think the first people who experienced COVID were sort of February, March time in Mm. 2020 and are still experiencing symptoms, then they very much fall into post-COVID syndrome. So in the UK, there is um, a system where you can go for help that is NHS based if it's within your trust or yes yeah absolutely and I think it's really important if you are listening to this podcast and you're thinking that you or anyone you love or anyone you're working with is continuing to experience symptoms which have no other they're not explained by anything else um and you know even some people might be feeling like they're not being believed because symptoms can relapse and remit so they they're there on one week and then they you're totally fine the next week um you know it's really hard to pin down whether somebody has long covid or even post covid syndrome um so it's yeah it's really important to fight speak to your gp find out if you are concerned find out what services exist in your local area um, there is, there are some brilliant national resources. There is a fantastic uh, Your COVID Recovery NHS site, which is www.yourcovidrecovery.nhs.uk, um, um, which anybody can access. And it takes you through all the symptoms and provides reassurances and, and signposts people to where they might be able to find further resources. And we'll put that in the show notes. Oh, that's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. Um, You've actually, I think, uh, hopefully oh. this has answered Rachel Lyons' uh, question. Uh, Rachel is at SingSpace. 
Um, and we're going to be talking to Rachel, aren't we, in we are. January? We are. Uh, doing uh, a Q&A for her community. So she said, I'm pretty ignorant here, so I'd like to understand a breakdown of effects from long COVID. I think you've probably covered that. Mm. To understand the components so we're not trying to tackle an overwhelming beast, which is a fair point. Mm. Um, and when as vocal coaches, we know when to step back and refer on and when singing can help. Mm. And actually that goes with um, Franca's second question as well. Oh. So I'm just going to play Franca's second question. The second question is, what specific exercises can I, as a singing teacher, give to somebody who is suffering from long COVID? I've heard some things about, um, like, um, easy ballad, uh, nursery kind of songs um, that don't ask or, or demand too much from uh, a body that's recovering from COVID. But I can imagine that there are, a lot is that there is a lot more to say about that mm. oh thank you again yeah great question i think the the easy ballad kind of nursery songs are being used by the uh, english national opera in their eno breathe program. Um, they have a breathing and well-being program for people recovering from the effects of COVID-19, um, which is a, a, a free online program focusing upon retraining breathing through singing. Um, and it, it focuses upon reducing breathlessness and anxiety um, through developing self-management skills of, of the individual. So you don't have to ever have sung before. You don't have to be a singer, um, but it it's obviously helps to develop those skills again following COVID. Um, I think in terms of what, what can singing teachers do, absolutely warm-ups, SOVT, you know, managing the sessions according to how the individual is on that particular day, being responsive to the individual's needs is absolutely paramount. Um, encouraging, providing a safe space in your lessons and mm. sessions to encourage them to share how they're feeling. Um, because like I said, these symptoms are relapsing and remitting. They're there sometimes, they change, then they they don't stay the same. They are completely baffling. But we, I think in our role as singing teachers, speech and language therapists, voice practitioners, we can respond by being supportive regarding their symptoms and how their symptoms are affecting what it is they're trying to do. Um, so, so, Carrie, um, mm. if somebody were to come for a singing lesson, you know, once a week, and mm. on week three it's worse uh, mm. than it was in weeks one and two as, as far as the, you know, the student is concerned, what you need to do is work exactly with where the client is at that moment you know mm -hmm. if they're having a bad totally. day you work from that point don't you which yeah. is actually what we should all be doing all the time anyway but I think yeah. it's it's even more so absolutely and I think one of the things to appreciate is that they they the student themselves may not in that session be seeking to progress they may just be there to participate and be in a moment in time which is providing some relief from just the, the symptoms 
symptoms they've been experiencing, the illness, the, the, you know, we all go, we do singing for other reasons than just to get better technically. You know, there's so much more involved in that. It's a welcome release from the pressures of life. You know, when people join a choir or do individual lessons, it's, it's a bit of a social life as well, isn't it? It's so so important. I mean, what you're saying is so important because Mm. actually it also defines the role of the singing teacher, which Mm. is you are not always there to make people better. You are sometimes there just to hold the space so that they can experience. Mm. And also, I mean, actually, thank you so much for saying that Mm. because, you know, we know about the wider therapeutic benefits of singing. um, And there are millions of singers out there who are avocational singers. And actually, they do want to do their best. Um, within the context of, of what they're working on. But it's um, to understand that our role is actually much more than being technicians um, and even performance coaches. I mean, mm. you know, we do cover that role, but many, many singing teachers are working with avocational singers and supporting them. Many choir leaders are doing that. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I think Franca asks ask a great question in terms of what should I be doing? Mm. But to be honest, my honest answer is nothing more than you would normally be doing. You may find that with people that you've been training and working with for long periods of time, so you know them, they may not be at the standard that they or you expect them to be. So it may be just again, being kind to them, them being kind to themselves, providing those reassurances that that this is this is okay, normalize their experiences and manage, you know, in terms of direct exercises and technique that you can do with them, same as ever, if you're doing un- managing unhelpful muscle tension by doing stretches and a decent warm up and things like that, that's great. That's going to do them some good. If they say it's painful or it's not doing them any favors, then move on. It's it's following what they want. Um, you may find that the anything you do to retrain their breathing, to reduce breathlessness and restore diaphragmatic function and increase their lung capacity again, back to their baseline as, as you had previously known them, would be really beneficial. And obviously, you've got all the usual vocal exercises, which you would use to rehabilitate. What would normally you'd be habilitating the voice, wouldn't mm-hmm. you? You know, in mm-hmm. your singing teacher, vocal coach role, habilitating the voice to develop and progress a voice. But actually, it may be that you've stepped into a rehabilitation role just for a short period of time while they're recovering from long COVID and the symptoms of long COVID. And so you're rehabilitating range, tone, stamina, flexibility, and general coordination of the whole vocal mechanism. Um, The warm-ups are really important. SOVT, really important. We're going to go into SOVT and warm-ups in a moment. Um, I just want want to pick up one point. Um, which is if you already have a student or a client that you work with and they come to you having gone through COVID and being in long COVID situations or post-COVID situations, you already know how their voices are. Mm. You Mm. already have a memory of what standard they are, how they normally deal with things. And so you will be noticing that things aren't working in the same way. Mm. And I think it's really important for you not to think that you can get them back up to that original point immediately. It's about adapting, isn't it? Mm. Um, It's, uh, you know, this reminds me of going to a yoga class and, you, you know, she asks every class, if anything is going on for you, you've got any aches and pains, let me know. Uh, so that you adapt, so that if you 
don't feel like you can bend forward all the way down to the floor, you adapt with a chair. Mm. Absolutely, yes. We're Mm. human beings. We have so many things. I mean, as a voice therapist, we already know that looking at a voice is multifactorial it's holistic mm. we have to look at everything it's the it's the biology it's pathology it's you know it's it's the psychological situation that that person is in on that day it's um their environmental situation their social context what do they use their voice for there is so much more involved in working with a person i I think another thing that um singing teachers can really help with is the the general just revising general education on voice production um for reassurance and and voice care because i think a lot of the time people go through covid and don't really recognize that actually they aren't as energetic as they have been. They aren't um, sort of as vocally clean, if that's a term. Um, You know, they may have a persistent cough, a dry cough. They may be feeling um, like they've got more phlegm that's, that's, you know, hanging around and things. And and that's different from before. So mm. all that usual stuff of um, education and voice production and voice care is really important as well. That's lovely. Thank you. Should we talk SOVT? Just before we do, um, I just want to make this one question that uh, Georgia Elizabeth Walton has made also from SingSpace. Mm. Uh, awesome topic. I have a question. How should we address students differently suffering with long COVID? We sort of covering yeah. that at the moment. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Chat with them. Absolutely. Chat with them. Structure the chat. I mean, as a speech and language therapist, I very much, we very much have um, sort of structure to our medical case history taking. So Mm. we we really get in-depth view on what's going on for that person. I think as singing teachers, you have this wonderful, unique perspective where you are involved in part of their life. I mean, I always say singing teaching is part coaching and mentoring as well. Mm-hmm. You've got wider issues um, in the context of music and singing, if not their actual wider life as well. Um, you, you you know, people share, because it's a safe space in singing, people share information about their emotions and what they've been experiencing. Um, and I think providing reassurances about what they're experiencing and discussing what they can expect from themselves moving forwards and being kind to themselves is is really important. Um, And like you said, hopefully today's chat will have provided that rounder picture of what the symptoms are and things that we we might be able to expect. Mm. Um, I want to say just the singing teacher side of things, I think really important and not to be undervalued is actually providing those opportunities for singing because if it, it, you use it or you lose it as ever with voice that is that is always an underlying thing um, with voice care and voice work you've got to be able to use it and I think when people went into lockdown we weren't interacting as frequently we weren't singing absolutely we weren't singing as frequently unless you're highly motivated and had a space within your home um, to actually sing in many many people didn't sing because they had family members there they had people homeschooling they had people trying to work from home and those opportunities for singing were very much diminished and so now we've opened up 
providing opportunities as a singing teacher is really important. Discussing career plans, discussing auditions, rehearsals, the work pressures that people might have outside of singing and also singing work pressures if they are professional singers and voice users. Um, you know, we've got a lot we can contribute. Song selection, advice about musical decisions and obviously technique as well. Mm. I love that um, and the way you've spoken about that. And I think it's absolutely true that, you know, particularly what might have happened to people who are working more on a professional level is just as you said, they hadn't been able to maybe even practice for mm. months because of disturbing other people in the household or the neighbours or whatever. And then suddenly they go into a performance situation. And it's a bit like, well, I haven't been training in the gym and now I've got to run a marathon. Yes. Uh, and yeah. it's very, very easy to get into difficulties there. Yeah. I, I just wanted to share one thing which might be a helpful example for George's question, which is, how do we ad address the students? Carrie, you've talked about listening. Mm. Maybe a student comes in one day and says, actually, I can't seem to get through my phrases this week. I don't, don't know what it is. Um, you know, my breath doesn't last as long. That's a signal for you when you do your warm-up exercises, you do short ones, you take a breath between each note, yes. you do um, one note and repeat it three times, yeah. and uh, you allow time for space for the in-breath. These are the kinds of things that we do. We listen, we adapt. Yes. Jeremy, we actually you have we're going, a point we, to make. We're going to just take a little uh, moment because we are sponsored for this and uh, we're going to play a little advert from our sponsor. Oh. Your voice is feeling tired. Your brain is feeling tired. You're feeling tired. But you need some energy and motivation to carry on. What's going to help? Well, this motivational water bottle for one. Every time you take a life-giving, brain-boosting, energy-controlling sip of water, hot or cold, your choice, you'll be reminded that everything you're doing is to get you to this lifestyle. Oh, and did we mention you can use it for your SOVT exercises? Even more healthy choice for your voice. Sleep, sing, slay, repeat. It's all you ever wanted. And that's voicenerds.co. That's, that's our new merch brand. Voicenerds.co, the sing, sleep, slay, repeat that. water bottle. Excellent. Okay. Where should we go next? We're going to hold it there. There is so much coming up that we're going to split this podcast into two. So we'll see you next time for Series 3, Episode 7, Long COVID Continue. This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr. Gillian Kayes and Jeremy Fisher.